When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a Columbus Blue Jackets podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, PD. I manage the Cannon over at jacketscannon.com. I'm joined today by Eric Seeds. Uh, you can go to the site to see our written content and talk with other Columbus Blue Jackets fans. Uh, so, folks, we got him. We got our guy. We had no luck in the draft lottery, but things broke our way on draft night. We were able to select at number three, Adam Fantilli, center from the University of Michigan. Seeds, what was your initial reaction? And now that we're a little, we're close to a week since then, how are you feeling about it? Well, um, <clears throat> given the fact that we drafted Adam Fantilli and then we saw Taylor Swift two days later, I feel like <laughs> I'm having about the best week of my life. Um, no, uh, I was obviously, you know, like so many Blue Jackets fans, crushed on draft lottery night because I had had mentally accepted the fact that we weren't going to get Connor Bedard. The NHL wasn't going to let us get Connor Bedard, but having watched so much of Michigan and having like, you know, seen so many Fantilli highlights, it was like, you know, this is the guy I want. Like he's a big bodied center. He's, he's offensively talented, but he's not afraid to mix it up. You know, he's not afraid to use his body, go into the corners, do the hard, dirty work. I was like, I want this guy. And then we beat Pittsburgh in the meaningless game and we ended up kind of moving ourselves out of a guaranteed spot where we could draft him. Mm-hmm. And I was crushed. It sucked when we, when we landed the third overall pick. So I was kind of, so prior to, so the night pre, prior to the actual draft, since I had to write the pit, like the part, like the article about the pick, I, I wrote one for Leo Carlson. I wrote one for Will Smith and i and I and I wrote the one for Will Smith. I'm like, boy, I hope this works out because I was I, I was I wasn't sold on Will Smith in the draft process. Right. And then I wrote the Fantilli one. I'm like, I'm never going to get a chance to publish this one. Like, I just I I hope, but there's no way Anaheim does. Like, there's no way Anaheim doesn't take him, right? Right. So 
wake up draft morning and it's like all there's all this buzz out of the draft of like Nashville or, or uh, Anaheim might do something goofy here. Like Anaheim might go a little off the board and take Leo Carlson. And I'm like, I want to believe it's like, it's like, you know, that old UFO meme of, I want to believe like I, <laughs> I want it. I want this to be true. And yet there's no way this is actually true. Like this is a complete smoke screen, you know, then it's, then, it, then you start seeing rumors of like, Oh, Yarmo's trying to move up to two. It's like, what's, what's he doing? And Pat Verbeek's standing still. So it's like, there's definitely some uncertainty at the top of the draft, but I'm like, they're not going to galaxy brain it and not take Fantilli. Right. So then Anaheim gets up, they're on the clock, they get up and they announce and, Full disclosure, because I'm like, we we have Hulu TV, so we're like 40 seconds behind, like, what live is. So I'm, I've got my phone, I've got Twitter up on my phone, I've got Twitter up on my computer, and I'm praying the site doesn't crash because it's run, it's held together by twine and paper clips right now. So I'm like trying to get the news, and all of a sudden I just, like, see it come across my phone, Adam Fantelli took, or uh, Anaheim took Leo Carlson, and I just like, like, yes, like they did it. So then I spend the next three minutes like, don't screw this up. Don't, don't <laughs> right. do the dumb thing. Don't like, don't overthink this. Just take him. So I was incredibly happy. I am so very happy. Fantilli is a blue jacket. He just, and it's like, there's video dating back to me of like, no, he wants to be a blue jacket. It's like, yeah, we want guys like that. Go get yeah. that guy. So I'm like, I, I could not be happier. I could not be more thrilled that Adam Fantilli is a blue jacket. I cannot be more happy that he's he's inked his deal. He's going to be here this this fall. Yep. It's awesome. Well, he's yeah. already he's already here in town, but it's awesome. The weird thing is I was starting to talk myself into Carlson being better than Fantilli <laughs> <laughs> as like a coping mechanism, you know, yeah. prior to the draft and so I was kind of pinching myself, you know, like this did this actually happen? Did we actually get this guy? Like, did, we don't usually get these kind of breaks in the first round. We don't get these star players falling to us. We go off the board with picks, or all the good ones go right before us, or you know, it's you know, Doug McClain galaxy brains it and takes Gilbert Brule. You know, these kind of things don't happen to us. So, yeah, getting him, getting him signed right away seeing his enthusiasm for Columbus, uh, just knowing that this is a guy that is exactly the kind of player that we've been missing. You know, this... it's, it, it's the kind of guy that wins in the NHL, you know, yeah. he, every, every big, every team that wins big in the league, you see them led by an offensively talented, big bodied, bona fide number one center. Mm-hmm. And we have never had one of those until last Wednesday night. And now, and, I was three feet from him this afternoon. Like it, this rocks. This is so cool. Yeah. I I mean, and he was asked in his press conference and said that, you know, one player he looks up to is Nathan McKinnon. And if he can be a Nathan McKinnon type player for us, that it makes everything else so much easier. All of a sudden, I hope he enjoys rice cakes. (laughs) Uh, But you know, and it, it changes the complexion of the team. It changes I think it changed the offseason approach. You know, I think the Jackets were quiet in free agency, and I think they were right to be quiet in free agency because you don't need as many pieces now after what Garmo has done over the last month. You know, he added the pieces on defense through trades. He drafted Fantilli. Fantilli is going to be here in the fall. And all of a sudden, you know, you look at the center depth and you've got Fantilli, Jenner, Sillinger, Corrali, Brozovic, then you also have guys in the mix like Voronkov, 
maybe Texier, maybe Johnson, uh, Hunter McCown, uh, Luca Del Belbelouz. He's going to be at least in Cleveland. You know, all of a sudden, like we've got a lot of options at center now. And Fantilli might be the only one with one C potential. And who knows if he's going to have that as a rookie, but he's one that's got a shot at it more so than maybe some of the other options. But some of those guys, if you bump them down to, you know, if Jenner's at the two or the three or if Sillinger's at the two or the three, you know, yeah, Crowley's you, back and forth where he should be like, things start to look a lot better. Fantilli, Fantilli gives this team an ability that they've never really had before. And it's, it lets everyone slot into a more natural role. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. it, you're not asking someone to play above their head or above their skates, you know, above their level just because we so lack that one piece Fantilli Fantilli fills the biggest hole in the organization and everything else just flows naturally from that. And it's going, I'm really interested to see how Babcock structures his lines. I'm interested to see what he does in the, in the fall camp. And then, and as we get going at the start of the season, but this is just such a huge win. And I, I cannot like, I cannot un- I can't overstate how how much this means to Columbus, how much this this pick and this like this win means. Like we we today at development camp, you had the QMJHL MVP standing next to the Hobie Baker Award winner. Like that's not <laughs> nothing. That's 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 cool. Like that's and that is something that like like we have like it, we are to the point that because we added Fantilli and I know, you know, when you talk about prospects, it's, it's hard to qualify. Where do you, you know, where's the cutoff for your prospect pool? Does Adam Fantilli fall into the prospect pool? Because he's going to be an NHLer from day one this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, but everything they did at the draft, starting with adding Adam Fantilli, we have one of the, like, like it, it has to be mentioned that the jackets have like one of the best prospect pools in the league right now. And yep, that's, absolutely. that's, that's a lot. That's, that's saying a lot. Well, it, it gives you optimism for the future that there's <laughs> talent that's ready now. And there's talents going to be ready in a couple of years. And, you know, we've got some maybe veteran contracts that we're not thrilled about, but some of those will go off the books in two, three years time. And there are prospects that could be able to fill those spots mm-hmm. at that point. And, you know, the hope, obviously, I think they want to be back in the playoffs within probably two years, let's say. We'll get into the reasons why later. But uh, they can get to that point, and hopefully once they, once they get back to the playoffs, they can stay there because of what they've got coming up in the pipeline. And for any holes they still have, they've got pieces that they can trade to fill in those holes once we are a contender-type team. Yeah. I think I think the future is looking incredibly bright. It's just now you have that, tr- you know, the f- the future is already bright. You know, you had mm-hmm. you had Dume in the pipeline. You had, you know, you, you had guys, but now you have that true north star. You have yeah. the guy, and that's the 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 one thing that we the, the we talked about on this podcast on the site. My girlfriend and I would talk about it all the time. Is like if you're going to lose and be terrible, and you're going to keep Brad Larson around. <laughs> If all of last year, despite reports apparently that they wanted to fire him in the middle yeah. of last year, but they kept him around for the whole for the duration. They had to get it. They had to go into draft week. They had to finish as low as they could in the standings. Go into the NHL draft and get a number one center, and they had to make all that losing worth it. Today, to, as of last Wednesday, we can unequivocally say last season was worth it because yeah. you got the guy. It yep. was worth it. Like I, it, it was worth it. And this is the only way to get 
a guy like Fantilli, to be perfectly honest. You know, you have to be picking in the top three to get a guy like that. Yeah. Um, so you met, you mentioned the lines, and so I'm starting to, to spitball here, and we have obviously the whole summer that we can speculate on this, but um, given how he is a big body and given how he likes to shoot and has a really nice shot, it seems like him and Goudreau would complement each other really nicely. I also like the idea of, you know, if Sillinger can find his form again, which I I'm optimistic that he can, he and Fantilli are both big physical centers with great shots. And you've got, you know, Goudreau, who is a playmaking winger. You've got Kent Johnson, who can be a playmaking winger. Um, so that you have can, can have those two combos in your top two. And either one would be like first line worthy. And then you've got Line A and Marchenko as big bodied sniper types. And it's like, if that's your top six going forward for several years in the future here, that's fair. I feel pretty good about that. That could be really exciting. And and what I think I, I would like to see just because I want to see it. I want to see a line of like Gaudreau, Fantilli and Marchenko. Cause they're all, cause I, I, yeah. I, I, I want to see the two big bodies because last season, you know, the line a Gaudreau minutes were hit and miss, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to see Gaudreau with Marchenko, but I think I'd more like, but I think the reason I'd like to see that is because it more easily opens up the second line because mm-hmm. Ken Johnson's a player who loves to have the puck on his stick. Like, yeah. And he's a very good playmaker. Like we saw last season, he, he is a worthy playmaker with the puck on his stick and he's only going to get bigger and stronger and adjust the, as he adjusts to the NHL. I mean, kids, what going to be 20 this year, right? He's, he's good. He's got so much growth ahead of him. And then if you have him with the puck on his stick, it opens up space. It, it allows Patrick line to play on the other side to kind of like develop and kind of like, or kind of like, you know, generate focus on uh, draw attention to him is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And then it opens up the center of the ice for Kent Johnson or for, uh, or for Cole Sillinger. And you kind of have, it, it, it just kind of more evens out is what I'm saying. So I think that that's, I think that's the lineup I'd like to see to start the season. Obviously there's going to be juggling as, you know, people try and mix and match, but I think there's a lot of intriguing possibilities with the uh, top six going into this year. Yeah, and, and you can win matchup battles that way too because mm-hmm. you know with you know a team's top defensive pair, which line do you put those guys up against? Because there's not going to be you know a right answer there because <laughs> your the other lines are going to get burned. So, mm-hmm. um, so there was then a whole second day of the draft, and there were some interesting picks there. Let me go, run down the names real quick. Uh, second round, Gavin Brindley, uh, another forward from Michigan. In the third round, William Whitelaw, who played for the Youngstown Phantoms of the USHL, and he is headed for Wisconsin. Uh, and then in the fourth round, they took another Youngstown Phantom in Andrew Strathman. He's a defenseman. He's going to be going to North Dakota. So it's interesting that the first four picks were two sets of teammates. Uh, then there was Luca Pinelli, who is a center from Ottawa of the OHL. Uh, Melvin Schrall, who is a Swedish goalie. Oiva Keskinen, who's a forward from Finland, uh, from the Tapra organization there in Tapra. Uh, and then the final pick was really cool. They traded with Vegas to get the very last pick of the draft and took Tyler Peddle, 
who was in attendance and had to sit there with his family for 223 picks before hearing his name called. So that was a cool pick there. Uh, of those day two picks, which one stands out to you? Gavin Brindley, bud. We got we got <laughs> out of, we got Fantelli's Michigan buddy. Yeah. But this kid is a this kid's a, a little short dynamo who works his who works his behind off. Like every every indication that we have is he was discounted because of his size and he had mm-hmm. to work exceptionally hard to even like earn a scholarship offer to the university of Michigan. Yeah. And then once he got there, he showed up and continued his hard work from day one. Uh, you, we, like I said, I I've alluded to it a couple times, but I went to, uh, my girlfriend and I went to development mm-hmm. camp today and that kid just works his, he works his tail off on every single drill. Like he's, he's out there putting in the work. Like I, like he's like, he could be like a legit bottom, like, you know, bottom six, option one day like he like is, he, is he is he like a matt calvert type i don't know if he's so much the physical type i like mm. i just frankly don't know like i haven't you know college hockey's hard to determine like you know if guys are allowed to fight if they're fighters or you know mix it up types but what i will tell you is everything i've seen and everything i've read about him when i because i wrote his draft prospect profile the night before the first round mm-hmm. and it was like he's gonna work he's gonna work he's gonna work he's gonna work he's not afraid to go into the dirty areas but he's also got a clean shot and you could see it in at development camp the last few days is like, he's, he's got a leaf, a pretty good one timer. He's good handling the puck. He's re, he's his puck handling is really tight. Like he can, his stick work is really good. And it's just, but for his size, he mm-hmm. would have been a better prospect. Like he, he was yeah. ranked kind of all over the place from like the low teens to the mid thirties, just because of it's like everything about this kid is like, he works hard. He's really talented. He's small. Yeah. He's, he was he was listed at five nine, like one seventy four or so. Yeah. So it's like it's a small kid, but man, he works hard. So I think he could end up being something one day. Like he could be like the best versions of those Tampa of those Tampa Bay teams that won back to back cups and went to three straight finals were, you know, their bottom six guys worked hard all over the ice, but they could also contribute goal scoring. It's yep. it's the reason why Toronto sucks right now is because they have no depth scoring. Brindley is someone who could fit in, in the bottom six, play hard minutes, but also contribute offensively. And I think that's super cool to get him. And also yeah. him and, and also ha- him and him and Fantilli are like, have, have the cutest little bromance ever. <laughs> and it's awesome. It is very sweet. It was cool seeing Fantilli give him a big hug on the draft floor after Brindley got picked. And then, Brindley was there. He got to sign as a witness on Fantilli's contract. And uh, so now Brindley's going to be going back to Michigan for, again, at least another year. But um, it's nice having these friends in the organization together. Uh, Brindley. I was going to say they're in town right now and they've got a project of going to a different restaurant every night (laughs) while they're in town for development camp just to see a bunch of stuff. It's so cool. That is very cool. And Brindley has uh, Ohio connections. His uh, dad played at Miami of Ohio. His mom is from Coshocton. So uh, he still has, you know, like his grandparents living in Coshocton. So once he gets to Columbus, you know, his family will be able to come and see him play. And uh, and that's, that's a really cool thing that what impressed me about the second, about the second day of the draft is that it felt like every pick they took was someone who was ranked higher on a lot of the lists. So so they got like nothing but value picks on day two. And I think that is the right approach for that. And like Tyler Peddle, that guy that they got as, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, very last pick. There were some rankings that had him 
as a top three round type player. And they got him at the end of round seven. So again, not all these players are going to work out, but that's a sign that some guys could maybe be risers in the way that like uh, a Jordan Dumay, you know, took off after his draft year. Cam Atkinson. Yeah. But like uh, Tyler Peddle, the guy who they took with Mr. Irrelevant, um, I was doing some reading and apparently last year, like his numbers were very subpar, but he played through a like shoulder injury for mm-hmm. most of the season. And that's kind of the reason he fell is like if the production wasn't there in his draft eligible year, but he was trying to play through injury. So, you know, it, I, I, it sucks for him. It sucks that there was that injury, but you know, if it works out for in the blue jackets fair that we acquired a pretty high talent player at a discount, like that's, that's only good for us. So. Yeah, and that's, you know, if he can get healthy, then he can, you know, increase his value that way. And and a guy like that, too, who, you know, otherwise maybe could have been an undrafted guy that would sign somewhere. But, like, you know, we have his rights now, and our development staff can work with him. So he gets to come to development camp. He'll get to play at the Traverse City tournament. And then Rick Nash and his staff will be able to be in touch with him and his coaches over the next few years. And we've got time to sort of let him continue to develop there's no rush there or anything and it's like if he works out then it's it's a great asset to have uh for sure all right so yeah you mentioned that you were at development camp were there any other players that stood out to you anyone from the previous couple drafts obviously you know we went to watch fantilly because yeah <laughs> you know you, you want to see the new guy one right. Credit to the CBJ fans, you know, the place, the place was packed when we, I mean, we, we got there a little late. We got there, writers group one was getting off the ice and Fantelli's group was hitting the ice. Mm-hmm. So, um, place was packed. It was awesome. Um, um, shout out to at CBJ prospects. I'm pretty sure we were standing right behind you for half, the, <laughs> half the session. Don't know if you listen to this pod, but if you do, we, uh, my girlfriend, and I were standing right behind you. Um, uh, Fantelli looked every bit the part. He's a big body guy, smooth on the puck, smooth, uh, smooth skater, you know, absolutely no concerns with any of his movement, anything. He, he, he just looks, he looks like the guy that you would want it, that could be a number one center on an NHL roster. He just, he just looks like the part. The, the guy I ended up paying a lot of attention to just cause I was like, I haven't seen him in person and I wanted to just clock as much as I could was Jordan Dume. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Dume today. And what stood, and this is going to sound, this is going to sound harsher than I mean it to, and I promise this isn't a knock on Dume, or this isn't me trying to like dump on you know the guy who won the QMJHL MVP. But when Dume was drafted, the big knock on him was his skating. Mm-hmm. It was that's the reason he was that's the reason his you know projections aren't that high. It's the reason he slid in the draft. They were doing some like drill in the middle of development camp where it was like you know working on like skating and like rotating your hips, working on your like balance on your skates and on your core and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I kept like bouncing back and forth because they were on opposite sides of the blue line. Fantilli looked incredibly comfortable. Like this was like the easiest thing in the world for him to do. And Dumay could barely get like a half an inch off the ice. Like he was like trying to, like, he wasn't getting off the ice and he wasn't rotating his skates at all. So they were doing this like jump and like rotate your hips thing to like try and practice like balance and core yeah. strength. And Dumay looked like he was struggling and would have rather been anywhere else on the planet. <laughs> and it, it was just like, it kind of just reinforced that like this kid is talented. You could like, we were watching a, another drill where it was like puck retrieval below the goal line. Um, 
and Dume was like he was he was competitive wasn't wasn't afraid to go in wasn't afraid to like get pushed around like at one point uh Del Bell Belouz was like I think it was Del Bell Belouz or maybe it was James Malatesta anyway one of the two of them was like draped all over his back and he was still like competing down below the below the goal line but it's like he you can tell his skating is kind of what holds him back and you, you could just kind of see it and it was kind of like noticeable in person it's like if if this kid doesn't make it that's going to be why and that that sucks i hope i hope that's something he can work on i don't know how much obviously i can't skate i don't know <laughs> so i i hope it's something he can work on and get better at but yeah it, it that was one thing i noticed that, that i just like clocked and that stood out to me today yeah and it reminds me a little bit of um i feel like bjorkstrand was never a super great skater um, but he just found ways to move efficiently and be in the right spot at the right time. And um, it also makes me think that it's very important that this is a team that learns to um, cycle well offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and because a guy that can't skate very well is not going to be able to contribute on the breakaways as much. But for something like where you're in the offensive zone and cycling and the way that Jume can battle for the puck, he can be of use then and, and use his shot in that way. Uh, and that's where I think like under Larson, the team just wanted to just be do a track meet up, up and down. But I want to see more structure on this team going forward. And, and that was, that was a heavy focus. And now I know it's, it's development camp. You know, you want to see these guys drilling the hard parts of the game. So they were doing a lot of like cycle drills and a lot of like, you know, below the goal line drills when during the portion of development camp while we were there today. But Dume didn't look bad in those situations. He mm-hmm. he certainly looked competitive. He was certainly willing to like uh he was certainly willing to compete. He was certainly willing to like go to the dirty areas, like go in front of the net, you know, kind of shove guys around. It was just you know, you can tell he's not a fluid like in a track meet scenario, he would not he wouldn't thrive on a roster like that. So it's just kind of one of the things to keep in mind is they build the future of the organization. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to shout out, uh, Del Bell Belouz looked pretty good today. Oh, good. Yeah. So. And he's the guy that and I didn't realize this. Um, he must've been old for his draft class. So he is eligible to play in the AHL this year. Yes. So he is, he is going to be going pro will play at least in Cleveland if he doesn't make the Columbus roster, which he probably won't make the Columbus roster, but that is a good thing. And so think about what Cleveland can have down the middle. Like if Ronkov doesn't start with Columbus, he's going to be in Cleveland. Zellabelle Belouz is going to be in Cleveland. Hunter McCown, who I liked a lot at the end of last year. Like those three guys can be your top three centers in Cleveland to start the year. Monsters can be really good with that. That's real. And that's really solid development for the future for the Jackets. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, so again, like center is no longer that big of an issue at this point. Hopefully, it's um, amazing how right. much it's amazing. It's amazing how much having the number one or number three pick in a draft helps that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, last topic: uh, Mike Babcock was officially uh, revealed as the coach on Saturday, which we all knew was coming. But his contract with Toronto ended on Friday, so he could be hired on Saturday. They had the press conference with him. Uh, what, what have you thought about his, uh, his debut here as coach? I mean, sure. We all knew it was coming. <laughs> um, 
I like that it's two years. I like that there's yeah. not. I I like that there's not a lot of commitment to it. Um, lines up with Yarmo's extension, so Yarmo's basically betting that he's the guy to get us back on track, or otherwise we're both out of a job at the end of this. So yeah, that that seems telling for sure. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know, we we've we've had endless conversations about you know Babcock's past, you know whatever, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't want to rehash all that. I don't have the mental capacity to do that. So it's just like. <laughs> At this point, let's just go forward and see what happens. Uh, I guess I don't want to say I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm willing to say, like, let's let's just see what happens. Like, it, at the very least, he's not going to be a guy who's going to play, you know, Sean Corrales and Matthew Olivier 17 minutes a night. So at mm-hmm. least we've got that going forward. Just I don't. I don't want this team to fall into the trap of, well, we've got him for two years, so we just. We need to keep him around. Like if, if something goes wrong or the players like are, are coming out and saying like, you know, there's issues or like we're not prepared or something, you have to be willing to cut bait immediately. You have to, have to, have to, I don't want them to get bogged down and just like, you know, we signed this guy. So we have to stick with it and just see what happens. Like, like I'm willing to wait and see what happens, but I'm not willing to give him any bit of a leash. Like your, your leash has to be one, one link. Yeah, so one thing that caught my attention is, and I was curious as to why like he only spent one season at the University of Saskatchewan, but he mentioned that it was because there were assistants then that he thought could ha- handle the job, and so he was willing to like hand it off to them, which makes me wonder if, and with you know Pascal Vincent being kept on, could there be a chance that the Jackets want to groom Vincent to take over, but they want, you know, him to learn Babcock's system and have Babcock sort of get things back on track. And then, you know, if Babcock's, you know, not feeling the coaching bug anymore after two years that he can move on, but the team will be in a better position and they can hand it off to someone else. I wonder if that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think I like that. My biggest problem with the John Tortorella era was he overstayed his welcome. And I yeah. don't think that they are going to make that mistake again. I think that, you know, the two-year signing of Babcock is we know this guy is going to have a shelf life. We know he's going to be hard on the players. He's going to, God willing, get the uh, team back on track from like a preparedness perspective. Because that was one yeah. of the, that was one, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me was that like the, the Warinsky interview the ports line did was like, you know, we know we're going to come into each game prepared. It was like, what? In <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Well, why were you not before? <laughs> yeah. My, and it's like, and all the reports are like, you know, we, we know we're going to come into each game prepared. We know we're going to come into the season prepared. It's like, what did Brad Larson actually do with his time last year? Ooh. Like, like I just, all these quotes now just raise so many questions about the previous regime of like, what exactly were you doing here? So, yeah, it, it feels think, like, it feels like such a waste. I mean, except for being able to get Fantilli, it seems like wow, it was such a waste year. This team could have been capable of so much more. Now, obviously, the injuries were a factor too, but it's like this team—it still should not have been as bad as it was. And I and I blame Larson for that. Um, that one thing I, I there are some positive hockey things I, I took away from from Babcock's interviews. There, um, he was asked about structure, and he indicated that you know that's not meant to restrict creativity but that creative players can thrive in a structured environment because everyone knows what their role is and you don't get in each other's way if there's structure so it gives room 
for the skilled players to use their creativity, create plays and that kind of thing. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, and that's backed up a little bit by like how like I know, I know this was 10, 15 years ago at this point, but like Pavel Datsuk thrived in under yeah. Bad Doc. Like Datsuk was an incredible player. So just there is there is evidence behind what he's saying there. Yeah. And I mean, look at the way that Matthews, Marner, Nylander, like all those guys came to the NHL under Babcock and right away were very productive players. And so again, he has to coach another team here with a lot of young, skilled players. And um, he talked about how, you know, in this break from the NHL, he spent a year at the University of Saskatchewan. He spent a year helping out at the University of Vermont. And it sounds like that was a productive experience for him for learning how to interact with players of that age and he's going to be i mean fantilly is still a college-aged guy kent johnson's still a college-aged guy and so Babcock has to find a way to relate to those types of players as a 60 year old so if he has that kind of experience uh hopefully that has helped he you know he did address the um you know all the allegations against him or the criticisms of him i, I wish that he was a bit more upfront about that a bit more humble uh, he comes across, he's very gruff. He's very matter of fact, he's kind of cocky. Um, so I don't know that there didn't seem to be as much of an acknowledgement that he did things wrong, but I think he does acknowledge that he has to do things differently. He mentioned how his daughter has told him that it's not what he says, it's his tone. And so he acknowledged that the message that he intends is not always the message received. And so that's something that he has to work on. And, uh, you know, Dale mentioned in our in our internal Slack Slack conversation that, you know, maybe that's one reason as well that the assistants were kept on because they could be a useful buffer between Babcock and the players and help that line of communication and help the players understand what Babcock's trying to tell them and can also communicate to Babcock, you know, what it is that the players are needing to hear. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and again, I... I have my doubts about this working out. And for people that still have reservations about Babcock, like I get it. I'm not going to like try to tell you that you're wrong or really talk you out of it. Um, but we, we have no choice, but to hope for the best, you know, right. I think, I think though I'm feeling a lot better about this team from just a strictly on ice perspective, adding Provorov and Severson makes the defense a lot better. Adding Fantilli, makes the forwards a lot better. Plus, you know, we get Texier back. We had maybe Voronkov. Um, so like this team should be a lot better than last year. And at least a fun to watch team, a competitive team. I'm not expecting playoffs, but even Babcock wasn't, you know, putting a timeline on this. He just, we want this team to improve. We want the individual players to get better all the time. We want the team to get better over time. And I'm hoping that we can see that it's, if the team plays better, then I will be satisfied with the next season. I I don't expect playoffs. I don't. I don't. Mm. Um, and I still have my reservations about Babcock. Like for anyone who like 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 you were talking about. Like I'm one of those guys who. Yeah. Just, I still have reservations about Babcock, and I still have serious consequences about you know the process of hiring him. About yeah. you know Yarmo being left along around to make the hire. Mm-hmm. I have lots of questions. We're in the pro, you know, this is the reality. I hope it works out. The two things I want to see from this team this year are tangible on ice improvements, particularly from the youngest forwards, Kim Johnson, Cole Sillinger, Adam Fantilli. I want to see tangible improvements from them. 
and I want to see I want to see just a professional approach from this team. And I think that's where Babcock can really help. And because I mm-hmm. think that's where Brad Larson was most in over his head is he just didn't have this team like ready to go on any given night. And I think Babcock for everything, for whatever else you want to say about, say about this team, uh, when the, when the puck drops, they'll be ready to play. Like I, yep. I, I am confident in that. At least that this team will be ready to play when the puck drops. I have reservations about how we might get there. I have <laughs> a lot of questions about what will happen, but if, as long as I see those two things, those this season will be seen as a success for me. If I if we see tangible improvement, this team is competitive and doesn't just lay down on on nights where because we saw it several times last year. Oh yeah, year. that More, team was quitty for sure. That, that team was extremely quitty, and I don't like I don't want to see a quitty team this year. I want to see I want to see tangible improvements and just don't quit on us and. That'll be fine. <laughs> also, please try to stay healthy for once. <laughs> yeah, that'll help too. All right. Well, that will do it for us this week. Uh, special shout out to our paid subscriber of the week, Doug P. We thank you for your support. We thank you for everyone who supports the site. Uh, if you want to help us out and you're not subscribed yet, go to jacketscannon.com and sign up. Uh, also buy our merch. I'll have a link in the description for that as well. I got some of my stuff last week and it's really, really cool. So be sure to check that out. Uh, and again, we have the whole summer here to talk about what the team could look like this season. It's going to be real exciting. Uh, so be sure to catch us next time. For more content from the Canon, check out jacketscannon.com. Follow us on Twitter at cbjcannon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates.